Hey there, everybody. What's going on? Happy New Year. This is Steve. Just popping in here with a little disclaimer about this week's episode. Uh, at one point in the, I mean, you could call it a news section, we start talking about some of the DC stuff and Michael Keaton's participation in movies to come. In the discussion, we say that he is no longer a part of The Flash. I have done a little bit of research after recording, and I found out that that is not true. So far, he is still a part of that movie. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, as you know, The Flash has been kind of a mess. So um, when you get to that part of the episode and we start talking about how he's not in it, just ignore it. It's fine. I could have edited around it, but honestly, I listened back to it. It's, I think it's funny. We, we're having a good time. Didn't want to kill the vibe. Uh, just know that Michael Keaton so far is still in that movie. All right. Again, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening. And here we go. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 579. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Well, happy new year to everybody, and happy birthday to Bobby Short. Indeed! And John Burkle is also here. He's got a party hat on. What's going on, sir? Oh, I'm still recovering from uh, not watching the ball drop. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the ball drop on my phone of all things this year. Uh, we don't have cable. We don't have like television yeah. and cable and stuff. So there was nothing to to turn on to watch. I guess I could have watched YouTube through the PS5. But uh, no, nah, we were playing video games. We were mm. playing Diablo and I just had it on my knee. And uh, we watched, we looked down, saw the countdown did the countdown, and then went right back to playing more Diablo. Yeah, I was in bed. <laughs> I'll be honest. I uh, I, don't, I think I do London New Year, and I trick my kids to think that that's it. And they should go to bed at 7. That's great. They, go, they go to bed about 8. They went to bed about 8. I stayed up, and uh, I made it to almost 9. And then I recorded, and I watched the – I was watching the, all the uh, – I've watched so much football. It's ridiculous. Uh, and then I woke up at my – signally early hour and watch the rest of the game in the next day and that's my new year amazing yeah sounds like a great time i haven't made it to midnight i haven't been up past midnight since my three-year-old daughter was born and before that it was probably a good decade spoken like a dad yeah yeah she decided to be born at one o'clock in the morning oof i know so bad so inconsiderate so inconsiderate and to this day. Nah, she's a good one. I'll keep her. <laughs> uh, Bob, did you make it to midnight? Oh, yeah. I did not see the ball drop. 
uh, once Anderson Cooper wasn't going to drink, I didn't want to go over and watch CNN. What? Okay, what's hold the, on. What's the, what's the point? What is the deal? I saw everybody tweeting about that. What is the deal with that? Did you was he not, drinking other years? No, did they you got not very drunk years ago. Yeah, he and Andy Lemon... Cohen got very drunk. And then uh, Don Lemon one year was really drunk, and he started yep. doing the. I'm just going to take care of myself this year. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do good things for me. And, and oh, he got like gonna, introspective, got introspective yeah. live on CNN on the yes. millions of people. It's great television, but CNN put the end to uh, drinking on air. I think because of that. Oh man, he's a reflective drunk. Yeah, that could, that could really backfire yeah. on you if you're not careful. I've been oh, there. Yeah. I've gotten that way. Uh, well, I, so did, you were... I actually I did that actually. That's what I do for New Year's Eve. I hey. bought, a bunch, bought a bunch of nosh and drank responsibly, a little bit at a time over lots, and then just watched tons of movies. So there you go. I watched lots of sort of rom com weepy stuff and try to do that. So I went through. Let's see, Tamara Drew from Posey Simmons graphic novel, which I know you know with uh, Gemma Arterton. Yep. Did the original Sabrina from back in 54. Uh, finished with Breakfast at Tiffany's because why not? But in between, I'm going to recommend a movie called Man Up. Okay. Which is Simon Pegg and Lake Bell. Mm-hmm. She's she's on a train with uh, on her way uh, back to what's going to be uh, to her parents' 40th anniversary party and sits with this insufferable young woman who's got this book, Six Billion People in You and How It'll Change Your Life and you know, Lake Bell's had lousy luck with dating and so on and so forth, and she's now 34, so on and so forth. And this girl said, you just, just need this book. I'm going to use it to meet my blind date. And uh, Lake's character basically tells her, her name is Nancy, tells her to just shut up. <laughs> and uh, she falls asleep. The lady, the other lady leaves, leaves her book behind. And she goes to try to chase her down through the train station to find her. And who she finds instead is Simon Pegg, who's her, who's the other girl's actual blind date. Okay. They sort of hit it off and Lake's character just pretends she's the other person. <laughs> oh, that's not right. That's, that's the, and she tries to get away from it eventually, but they're having a great time until they go they go bowling and some stuff happens, some drunken shenanigans and whatever. It's hysterically funny and really well-written, well-acted by two really great, great people. So I highly recommend Man Up. Has that ever worked for anyone, you think? Well, that's that's Lake Bell's (laughs) take on it. Those things never work out. Yeah. But it's a best-selling book. And then Lake, Lake says, well, so is the Da Vinci Code, which is terrible. We go from there. Oh, shots fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. Obviously, we're down a couple of people this episode. Uh, let me tell you, first episodes back in the new year are hard. Um, I almost didn't make it here. So Bob almost didn't make it here. John, it would have been you solo. Yeah. I would have been fine. That, the, and I would have been like Don Lemon by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Just going off about Paw Patrol. <laughs> Oh, now it's Peppa Pig. Oh, that's the new thing. Oh, my youngest is obsessed. I've had to. I have to do the. Um, she has one sweatshirt of Peppa Pig. I have to get her a second one, but I have to wash it overnight because it's the only thing she'll wear. 
Oh. But I've come to realize that Peppa Pig and the entire pig family's faces look like penises. Oh, Ow. you? Yeah, dude. I know. It's like, <laughs> but I'm just sitting there watching this. I'm like going, oh my God, it's just, it's a talking penis. <laughs> oh, so that's oh my, my, new, God. my new hate watch. I have already Pig. found a Peppa Pig conspiracy theory website <laughs> based on... Many. All based on real life dead people in this uh, this fan fiction created by Yuki Suzuki. Okay. Yeah. I'll research it for you. I'll let you okay, know. Thanks. Thanks. I'll let you know the real deal. There's a we'll cult, ruin, I'm sure. We'll yeah, we'll ruin Peppa Pig too. Okay. Um so Joey Joey is he went on his honeymoon, him and Emily went on their honeymoon, and uh, I believe they're on their way back. But if traveling to Australia is anything like it was traveling out of Canada, that is a long trip. And you are going to need a vacation after your vacation to get over it. Uh, It's a lot. So uh, Joey might be back next week. We will see. Uh, And of course, there's always Aaron and Chris and Bronwyn who all wish to be here and uh, will be popping up in new episodes of the podcast uh, week to week. All right. Oh, God. Vacations. I felt very ready to come back to this show and not ready at all to come (laughs) back to the show. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we record all of the, if it wasn't obvious, we record all of the end of the year stuff together in one day, and then we don't really see each other for almost a month. And so uh, you're listening to the reunion now. And uh, sometimes it can be a lot, but we are here. We are going to talk about a whole bunch of comics. And uh, before we get to any of that, though, I want to send a special thank you out. And Bob was sharing some emails and some uh, some very nice sentiments about the way that we did the awards and the end of year wrap up on these past couple of episodes. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for being with us to try something new um, and see how it goes. It's funny. We got all of those episodes recorded and wrapped up and immediately we had like a mini meeting about what we liked, didn't like and what we would change and stuff like that. So hopefully we're going to fine tune it even more next year. But um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I found like I felt like we talked about comics more in the new format than we did in years past. And I I don't know if that makes sense, but there was just so much because we didn't have to spend as much time championing certain things because it was all of our own lists. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. It was more about the books in question than the process. Yeah. It felt more in tune with the show too, because it felt like extended lightning round. So yeah, it it, it was, I, 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 I love not having to debate and, and try and kneecap people to get books forward. I, I thought it was a much better, much, I thought it was a more cohesive and friendlier environment too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so did anybody point? I want to hire a special counsel because of collusion, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any like holiday uh, vacation things that they want to share? Did anybody do anything special that stands out before we get to our books? Uh, no, same old, same old, same old. I mean, it was, uh, I've been, I was, uh, first off, 
uh, everybody, Kayla's surgery was a huge success. Um, she, she has, uh, she's slowly recovering, but she's moving. She's up and at them. Um, we go to the oncologist this Friday, uh, and we'll get the word if she has to do radiation or not. Uh, but we are, we're through the worst of it. And so most of my break has been just kind of taking care of her and taking care of the kids. But, um, I was going to go back to school for two days, uh, the last two days, because my sister-in-law came to town. And we got a snowstorm and negative 30 degrees. Oof. So I, I oh. got an extended holiday break. And it's 45 degrees today. So, you know, global warming, that's not a thing. No. Um, but no, I, I, and then, like I said, I've just been, I watched a lot of TV and I watched a lot of uh, football. So, but, you know, it's been re- good and relaxing. But I haven't done much, like, big things. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah. you know. Relaxing, getting snowed in or frozen in, I would. Yeah. Oof. That's gnarly. Third negative thirty. Oh yeah, we get it. We get it a lot now. We've we had um, yeah, we had a negative. It's wind chill, uh, but obviously, um, it's it's a it's a scene. And we oh, I guess a big thing. We adopted a new dog. Um, Congrats. Just because. Uh-huh. Oh, it was kind of a sad story. The uh, couple had been married for 40 years. We're getting a divorce. Wow. And the wife, the wife was adamant that the husband had chosen this dog. So she didn't want it anymore. And he apparently was not capable of taking care of it. Um, so it, and it couldn't go to our friends. So it ended up at our house. It's an 11 pound or no, seven pound long haired Chihuahua. It's the smallest dog I've ever had. And they don't like to go out in the cold when it's negative 30. And so I had to, like, take it out onto the porch and run back inside so that it would (laughs) run after me. And it would do its business on its way in. And then we would make it back in. And we'd just look at each other like, yeah, it's fucking cold out there. (laughs) Um, I thought you were about to tell me you were wearing gloves and you had to keep it inside. You just had your hands cupped behind its ass to catch it. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, not, nothing, nothing that, uh, graphic, but, uh, maybe in the future. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Amazing. Um, dog's name. Vito. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. This tiny uh, thing. <laughs> this tiny thing is Vito. Uh, so yeah, it came with the name. We can't change it. So I can hear your dog's voice in my head right now. Little, little Italian, little yeah, yeah. It's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, congratulations on the new Thank pooch, um, Bob. Did you do anything special over the past couple weeks? The uh, the holiday itself, kind of quiet. You know, make make one or two stops. Nowadays, used to be it seemed like way too many. So at some level, it's nice to be ratcheted back a little bit, get more time to just decompress. Uh, biggest thing I did over the last couple of weeks, I, I did we recorded on an off day a couple of weeks back, so that I could go into the city with my goddaughter and her daughter and her mom, and we did all the city things you'd want hit. Hit Macy's, saw Santa, went to St. Pat's, went to Serendipity for lunch, came back, went to FAO Schwarz, hit the Algonquin. I mean, what else can you do? What else can you do? Wow. That's a nice day in the city. A nice day in the city. That's very cool. I love that. 
Uh, for me, I just we went to Ottawa for the holidays, hung out with uh, Bronwyn's side of the family. Uh, that was all good. I got to watch. It's probably my favorite part of the trip. I got to not only introduce my nephew to the Muppet Christmas Carol, but also that was his first exposure to the Muppets ever in general. What, um, what planet is he from? My goodness, how's that possible? He's only four. He's four. He's four years old. And I found this out. He's it's the first movie he ever sat through from beginning to end. Oh wow! Look, everybody thought Steve. that he was going to get up, but I I sat there. He had a thousand questions for me about that movie and about the characters, and I sat there and answered all of them. And I told them how the movies made. I told them about like you know raising everything up on the stage and people controlling the puppets, and we were having conversations about ghosts and death and the spirit of Christmas and. Like all the themes with Scrooge and it was it was wild. He was, you know, absorbing as much of it as he could. But um, it was the first like real bonding moment that I've had with him That's where awesome. it was just the two of us chilling out and me kind of showing him something from my world and introducing it to his. And he was down for it. He, he loved the Muppets. I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. So, um, so that was really nice. And, uh, we just watched a bunch of movies and played a, played a couple of video games. I'll talk about that in my lightning round. And, uh, beyond that, we're just trying to figure out what's going on with this move. Oh, uh, we happening? have, our, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we have our eye on a place. I'm, uh, I'm trying not to harass the people in charge of, of putting this property out there because like you can't call dibs on <laughs> stuff, but this place is supposed to be going up to be shown and we're trying to fix it so that we're the first people to go in there. So I could basically just walk in and give them the application and be like here. Um, Cause we want it. And I, you know, if it doesn't happen, that's a whole other story. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. And uh, I'm just hoping that it really works out. Cause I, I like this new place. I think it's cool. Um Yeah. So let's talk about some comic books. Read a whole bunch. of. I read more comics than I thought I did. I was moaning to myself the other day that I had barely read anything during the break. And what am I going to talk about on the show? And blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, oh, my God, the the three weeks is a long time. I've read a lot of stuff, but we'll have to wait for my books. I want to hear from Bob about uh, Bob's books. Okay. Look, there's a lot of stuff to get through because it's been a month. So take your time. Here, here we go. The DC Dark Crisis Big Bang by Mark Wade, Dan Jurgens, Norm Rappund, Federico Glee, Troy Peters. It's an invaluable guide to the new DC multiverse, at least until the next crisis when they'll chuck this one into the dustbin again. But for now, but for now, this is a must-have if you need to wonder what's going on. Catwoman number 50, Teeny Howard, Nico Leon, Inaki Miranda, Juan Ferreira, Veronica Gandini, Lee Loveridge, Deron Bennett, and Lucas Gatton. And it brought Teeny Howard's long-running arc to a sudden and surprising point, what with a brutal killing and a new home for Selena, behind bars. Uh, now, make sure to find the Stepan Shades variant cover on this one, too, by the way. It's, it's as, as all of Teeny Howard's Catwoman has just been really wonderful, and I'm sure... You know, Selena will figure it out anyway. <laughs> She-Hulk number nine, Rainbow Rowell, 
Takeshi Miyazawa, Rico Renzi, and Joe Carmagna was also filled with surprises. And while I won't spoil them, I will say that one was a throwback to classic (laughs) She-Hulk and the TV show, albeit with a slightly darker tone, and the other... Well, you should all be reading this series for now, so I'll clam up, but you never know what may come later. <laughs> Fantastic Four number two, Ryan North, Yvonne Coelho, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Carmagna will continue to show that Mr. North has a firm grasp on these iconic characters. This issue is centering on Sue and Reed. It's another Twilight Zone sort of story with the couple on the run from the still mysterious goings-on back in New York. But their stop at a small town diner isn't very restful as the place is run by Doombots. <laughs> Sue and Reed are portrayed as equal partners here, and it's a Mr. Fantastical surprise. People who've only read him in other books except for the core titles. Issue three is going to focus on Johnny. I just can't wait to see where we're going to head next for that. A new five issue mini for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur just started. Written by the best-selling author of Ray Bearer, Jordan Ifueko, it sets up Luella with some new friends as she forms a roller derby slash support group for Terrigen Mist kids. Not to mention a, a new antagonist of the Cree persuasion. The art by Alba Glez, Jose Marzon Jr., and K.J. Diaz had a nice young reader's cartoony feel, but that didn't skimp on any emotional beats either. And through some uh, some amazing facial expressions, body language stuff that really uh, mm. I had a lot of fun with with this one as well. Another 100%. mini, hundred percent agree. See, I yep. like me hundred yep. percent agree. Another mini, Monica Rambo Photon was just out. Also written by Eve Ewing with art by Luca Maresca and Yvonne Fiorelli, colors by Carlos Lopez, letters by Clayton Cowles. For those who came in late, there are throwbacks to Monica's early days. Just enough to whet your appetite to, for some rereads without getting in the way of an action stuff going on here. There's also a great action sequence with a couple of guest stars that showcase Monica's powers. You also get a tease of a mystery and some family stuff to give you a sense of Monica's real life. All in all, I thought there was a great opening chapter, and I'm very interested to see how the line Monica Rambo is going to destroy the universe is going to play itself out moving forward. I can't say too much about Secret Invasion number two by Ryan North, Francesco Mobili, Jordi Belair, and Joe Carmagna without getting deep into spoiler country. But I will <laughs> say that, that I'm really enjoying this book, one I didn't even want to buy in the first place, you know, event burnout. You, you've heard me talk about this now for years. That said, I love seeing Maria Hill at the forefront of this sci-fi spy story. And with the whole Marvel Universe in play, she gets to interact with just about everybody. You might want to trade weight, but since each of the first two issues had really cool cliffhangers, you'd miss out on the shock endings, which are kind of a lot of fun. So take you pays your money, you take your chances, as they used to say. <laughs> uh, last but definitely not least, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons Book 3 by Kelly Sue DeConnett, Nicholas Scott, Annette Quoke, and Clayton Cowles. This final for now volume is simply put breathtaking at all levels. Characters run through the emotional range, courage, determination, heartbreak. And as a reader, you feel that you've run the same gauntlet. Across this run, I really feel all the creators involved here brought out the best in each other. And considering the pedigrees of the people involved, Kelly Sutakon, Nicholas Scott, Phil Jimenez, Gene Ha coming before, uh, that's that's saying a lot. But this, this stuff, 
this entire series is just amazing. Um, special nod here, of course, to Nicholas Scott, who paired with colorist Annette Quok. I mean, I'm a big fan of Nicholas Scott. I don't think I've seen anything to top this ever. Uh, Oof. One quick note. This volume ends in a way that I'm pretty sure William Elizabeth Marston would have loved. Hmm. And by the way, there's a hardcover volume of all three of these coming in March. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, some more money spent. But well spent, I'm saying. That's it for all right. me. Good stuff. I haven't seen that Wonder Woman Historia volume yet. We oh got to go God. pick up. We get those physically. I just haven't been to the shop yet, but I'm looking forward to that. You could, you could spoil yourself by looking online and the art's all over the place, but do yourself a favor. You want to see it not on your phone. You want to see it in the oversized black label format. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I, I go to grab our folder and uh, bring that home to read it. I still need to read the second volume. Oh. I haven't been through that one yet. I've only looked through it. I haven't actually read it. I'll read all three together. That'll be a thing. Oh, yeah. That's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Uh, okay, so questions that I have. Okay. Dark Crisis, Big Bang number one. Mm-hmm. Is Dark Crisis important? Is it setting anything up? Is this like new status quo for the DC Universe stuff? Or John, help me out here. <laughs> well, it's part of my lightning round if you want to wait. There you go. It is uh, my... my I, I, my thought is yes, in that we go page page by page. Each one is on like two or three different Earths with two or three different sets of characters. And there's a whole chart in the back of which ones are which and who lives where. So I think we're into the Morrison multiversity thing uh-huh. where everything is going to count again. Whether we get to visit them or not, I don't know. I'm kind of happy to see some of these listings on here, including the a little note about a mysterious amalgamated universe because it's Mark Wade. He's going to count everything. Huh? Earth so, 1996 mysterious amalgamated heroes requires further investigation. So did you buy, did you buy this is my next question? Yes. Yes. It was four ninety nine. Okay. You have you been reading Dark Crisis or you just No, I have no inter- I have no interest in Dark Crisis. I love Mark Wade and he and I share similar sensibilities about the DC multiverse and so I figured it was worth picking up. Okay, and so Dan, Mark Wade Dan was Jurgens. what got you in, into yeah. the into the door with us. Yes, cuz I thought he would do the right thing. Basically, okay. hypertime and multiverse are now status quo. So anything that has ever been published by DC Comics is its own universe and can be used in conjunction with anything else. Right. Which also includes Earth-66 of the mm-hmm. Adam West Batman. Yep. And Earth-789 of Michael Keaton's Batman. <laughs> yep. And there's a Superman of uh, Christopher Reeve Superman in there, yes. too, I think. Yep. Yeah. And probably going back to the black and white. And hopefully they left Lois and Clark out. Um, but there's probably some Smallville and yeah, any, literally anything that's ever been made by DC or has a DC character in it is now fair game in this rebooted universe. And this is a result from dark crisis. Big number one. 
this is why i didn't want to get involved it, uh, I'll, I'll get there but it, no, no, it, no 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 please please educate me okay i'll i'll, I'll just boot my little this is part of my lightning round, but I'll just do it now. You can Dark, just, I have other stuff to talk to Bob about, but if you want to ramp into some stuff, go ahead. I'm just saying Dark Crisis number seven is the most pointless ending <laughs> of an event ever. I mean, it is without a doubt pointless. Nothing changes. What you thought was the big bad the entire time, the great darkness actually wasn't the great darkness. Um, they, they forced black Adam because they were hoping that that movie was going to make a buttload of money and rather it's just, it's not bad. It's just nothing. There's literally <laughs> nothing that happens in that movie. Um, my son and I watched it over the break and he just kind of looked at me and he's like shrugged his shoulders and walked off. I'm like, that is, that is the that is the probably the review of the century, but <laughs> everything that the, the Bob is talking about that is good in this dark crisis, big bang. None of it comes from dark crisis. Number seven, all that happens in dark crisis. Number seven is black Adam shares all of his power with everybody. Nightwing who they wanted to kill off an in infinite crisis. Seven somehow is the only good enough person in the DC universe to hold off the big darkness that isn't the actual big darkness so that they can reboot the universe that they just don't even then del delve into and then there's a happy bruce and dick moment and curtain it's it is it is the biggest waste of my reading time in the last seven months i wow i i i liked where it was starting it wasn't necessary, and then it proved to be pointless. Woof. It is, it is, it is, it's not bad. It's just not needed, and it did nothing. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm going to go read this, and now I'm like, ooh. No, just read Big Bang. Really. Can I just read that, Bob? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I followed it fairly easily. Okay. All right. I'm curious because I want to know if you're saying that they can pull anyone from anywhere, any type of DC universe. I wonder how they arrive at giving you that information. Like, did you see a bunch of characters show up? Was there like the big no. two splash page of just everyone in the DC universe and a giant crowd of people? Well, here's no, a, here are two pages. Earth 22, Earth 27, Earth 55, Earth 43, Earth 9, Earth 23, Earth 118. This is Earth 18, Earth 162, Earth 33. They're, uh, and little yeah. highlights of all these characters doing their thing. And the whole point with the multiverse before Crisis, they would just go to a planet and they would give you a small box telling you what it, like yeah. just a little snippet, like this is Earth X. Hitler never lost. And there is an ongoing fight and boom, you're in it. And, and you just, the story can be told without you know like major you know backstories or anything it's just returning to how dc always was pre pre-crisis 1985 hmm. and this one includes the jurassic league earth of earth 27 mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we have the dakota verse 
uh, the DC superhero girls are in here. They have their own little little place. We have oh, Burn, Superman, and Batman Generations, yeah, the yeah. Thrill Killer World. Mm-hmm. Or right. here somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. Let me this might be getting too into the weeds, but let me ask you this before we go on to other books. Who do you think gets to decide the number of the multiverse? Is there like a like a um, like a bingo thing, like a bunch of beads with a number on it, and they just crank the thing, and then whatever pops out, that's the uh, well, the multiverse well, they get the name. Them, some of them used to have yeah. different numbers, yeah. or they had letters. There was you know Earth Q for the quality comics characters, and there was Earth Shazam, mm-hmm. so to speak, for Earth the faucet characters. Yeah. They've, they've been assigned numbers now, but we have an Earth Zero, an Earth One, the Earth Two, Earth Three of the Crime Syndicate. Those are sort of where they were. But now everything else starts to get letters, uh, numbers instead of the letters. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone just threw that out there. Some of it is to issue numbers. Mm-hmm. So Earth 183, Superman raised by apes from Superboy, Superboy number 183 back in the 60s. Oh, yeah, course. okay. So it gets, it gets that number. The Dakotaverse is Earth 93 because those books, I believe, began in 93. 1993, yeah. Yeah, there's a rhyming reason to it, and somebody yeah. knows it all, but... I'm saying, yeah, like Mark being Wade an editor on these books, if you get a script and you're like, yo, you can't use that number because in, you know, Earth 634, this happened and it <laughs> yeah. contradicts your whole thing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. I can't even like, is there a legend? Is there a is there a book that has all of them written down? Yes. Like this a master one. list. This one. It's two pages. Oh, okay. Two pages I want to read of this. two columns on each page of Earth from Earth Zero to Earth Twenty Twenty. Didn't they have fifty two? Wasn't there fifty two? That was something? that was something they tried to create. They forced that there can only be fifty two Earths after Infinite Crisis, and then it's just it, it they it slowly whittled away, and now it's whatever you want to do. Just just have fun, which they oh, should God. be. Yeah, comic books. Exactly. I tells you. Uh, speaking of comic books, Fantastic Four number Woo-hoo. two, Riot North continues to impress on the new Fantastic Four. I am very, very, very pleased by these first two issues, and I am even more excited about this run from Riot North and Company. I absolutely love the artwork, and I love reintroducing the what i assume what what i assume he's he's doing is reintroducing the core cast of characters by focusing in on certain characters each of the the new issues so like you said bob the next one um will be about johnny mm-hmm. and like where he's at and all of this and i just i think that's a really clever way like putting them in these bizarre situations where they get to shine uh, and and show you know who they are as people and who they are as heroes and deducing at what's going on sneaking around with Sue's powers and stuff like that and it's just it was a great 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 issue I love the small town stuff that they're doing in the first two mm-hmm. issues of them just kind of being off in the world somewhere and yeah I'm digging it I I really I'm so glad that it's starting out as uniquely as it is or at least in, in from my perspective I think it's very cool. Uh, John, did you get to read Fantastic Four? I did, and and I'm I I agree a hundred percent. I think what Dan Slott did was was such a you know reinventing of of the wheel that to have a new writer come in and just try and 
do status quo Fantastic Four might have fallen flat, but doing these, and I think Bob has it right, these at least the first issue was very Twilight Zoney. This one has that that same vibe. Um, and then and then there's the lingering mystery that I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, and it, it's just it's compelling and it's and it, it's good stuff. I, w- <laughs> I had to wonder to myself a little bit about uh, Reed changing his face, like motion his, his face around. Back to Bur- Burn had him do that a lot. Uh, they were back to having suburbs, yeah, and they were trying to be not Reed and Sue. He would always do that, and then Reed would wear, or Sue would wear like a black wig, wouldn't she, Bob? Yeah, I'm telling you, I think they role play. Oh yeah, the I two bet, of them. I bet, I bet Sue and Reed have a very <laughs> vivacious love life. Do you still have that malice outfit in the closet? You think? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's Reed's safe word? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit! What's the oh man? What's the device? The the ultimate nullifier? The ultimate or something nullifier. Like that? <laughs> ultimate nullifier, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> banana, banana. <laughs> um, next on your list, Bob, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one. This is so much fun to have this back. I didn't realize this is like a proper relaunch for this character, is it not? Yes, with the cartoon show by Lawrence Fishburne yeah. coming soon. Oh, that's that's very cool. I I really enjoyed this a lot. I have got to tell you, Moon Girl, Moon Girl, and I have been hanging out quite a lot for the past couple of weeks because Moon Girl has one of my favorite cards in Marvel Snap. I'm oh. still playing that game every day. And you so, get when Devil you, Dinosaur with yes, oh cool. So check this out. So so on turn four, you can pull out Moon Girl, and what she does is she grabs four more cards from your deck and throws them into your hand. So now you just have a glut of cards across the board. If you throw out Devil Dinosaur next, he gets extra um, power points for all the cards that you have in your hand at that time. So you throw him down, and on top of his base damage, he gains all that other damage cool. as well. And so the two of them rolling out around turn five is just, unless you have something really big as a finisher at the very end, the the person you're facing is screwed. It's awesome. <laughs> so pull the leader out right at the end and then really bone him. Anyway, um, I absolutely loved the art. I, I like the um, roller derby thing. I, I thought of Harley Quinn as I, mm-hmm. as I was reading this. But like you said about the art, it's super expressive. Uh, it's got a little bit of a cartoony feel, but it feels right for the character and, and that world that they've presented with her in the past. Um, and it's it feels like something that really, really did its homework as far as really reading into the last series and taking the most interesting parts of Lunella out of that run and applying it to this one. And I'm I'm really excited about this. I'm glad that this is starting at the beginning of this year, it feels like a good way uh, to kick things off. Yeah. I mean, there've been some minis with Lunella lately and they've been good, but this mm-hmm. really, as you told, you said it, it reminds me a lot of what Brandon Montclair and Amy reader and Natasha Bustos did back in the day. Yeah. This character. And it has that same sort of vibrant feel to it. And it is fun and cartoony, but there's an undercurrent of real issues that real kids could have and relate to reading the book as well as us grownups. So yeah, win on all counts. 
Yeah, I mean, Lunella is, she's, she's, I mean, for me anyway, she's another one of those characters like Miles Morales or any other character that we've watched grow into their own while doing this show. And it's really cool to see her kind of going back to her roots, but also being more social. And I think that that's really going to help some of the, I don't know, brattier aspects of her character from back. She's still got the attitude. She's still got a lot of the pride, but the fact that she's even there, I think speaks volumes to what they're trying to do with this run. Yeah. I'm I'm all in. All in. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. And Monica Rambeau uh, photon number one was also uh, really enjoyable. I really like Evel Ewing's voice in general. And I think Monica Rambeau is a good match. And, um, I'm this is a this is a limited like a mini. I'm I'm five. curious to it's, see it is five. Okay. Five. Um I'm curious to see where this goes. I, I liked some of the family stuff an awful lot. And I always stories about superheroes like trying to find their own way, especially with so much legacy behind them, I think is a good setup for, for some some good storytelling. So I'm I'm anxious to see what they I'm excited to see what they do with this. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of exposure to that character, so I'm hoping that this will be a good introduction before uh, the Marvels comes out later this year. Yeah, nice little throwback line about Dr. Brashear for those of us who remember the Ultimates fondly. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right, let's move on to Mr. John Burkle. Oh, you're not going to spoil She-Hulk? Oh, yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> Um, I just I just want to talk no. about one aspect of it. Okay. Um. So surprise, surprise. She-Hulk has a history of breaking the fourth wall, and that hasn't really been something that we've had in Rainbow Rowell's run so far. And then in issue number nine, she breaks the wall, but she breaks it in a way that I I I want to know what you think of it, Bob. Like when you hit that moment. And you saw what they did or did not do with it. What did you think? Loved it. Okay, uh, why? The The version of the She-Hulk that is the most on model, the one that worked for the character was what Roger Stern came up with way, way back. That she just loved being the She-Hulk. You get into what Byrne did, which was the, she knows she's in a comic book. And she can talk to us and talk to him and talk to the editor and make sidebar comments and whatever. His he did eight and then left and then came back and that was always part of the run and even though it, in other runs after Peter David's and Dan Slots Charles Soule it would pop up now and again it really wasn't the major thrust of it so to see it come back in any form yeah. was wonderful particularly from the television show I, I that they leaned into that this does cross into she does this for a different reason than before where yeah. it was. Um, I'm tearing through the pages because I I can't waste time on this exposition. Let me get over here and just run through the pages. Or complaining to Byrne about using the Toad Men as a villain. Really, Byrne? Toad Men? (laughs) Stuff like that. Uh, Here, it's the comment on a dark tone that the story took. Yes. So I think it's in keeping with what was going on in the story itself. She's angry and upset, and it's, you know... uh, you think I can't follow a goddamn narrative, she says? Though it is spelled G-O-D-D-A-M. There's no N. We didn't blaspheme or anything. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I enjoyed that they did it. I What I will hope is that considering the lighter tone of some of the earlier books, the earlier issues in this run, that we will revisit this ability now that she's shown it again. Yeah. And allow us to have some fun with it. The Rainbow's run so far has been a build to this point. These characters in this book show up really early, and it's a mystery. We get the whole Jack of, Jack of Hearts thing going on. They collide here particularly, and we'll see where that leads us next issue around. What Rainbow Roll has so captured Jennifer Walters that those of us who've been with her from the beginning love that uh, she's allowed to have darker moments. There can be a deeper story, a more emotional story, and that's that is it isn't a problem. If the if from here on in the entire run turned into angst of the week, I then have a problem. But I can't see that happening here. Not not from from Ms. Roll's history and what she's right. done so far with this character. I feel she really loves the the more classic version of, of Jen, and that's what we're going to see here on in. I love that they did this. Okay. When you, when you turn you turn a page and all of a sudden there's some she's ripping through <laughs> the pages to get at us. It's like, oh yeah, I remember this fondly. Right. See, when I got I read this earlier today. When I got to that page, it really took me back and I got really, really excited. I was like, oh man, like we're doing it. Like this is it was we like apologies for spoiling this for you if you've not read this, but this was kind of a big moment in this series, just tonally. Everything kind of shifted when this happened, and I think that was the point. But going right back into the story where we were, I was just asking myself if it had changed anything by by breaking the fourth wall to talk to us. The story just seemed to resume when we got back. And I don't I didn't know that it had accomplished anything in terms of changing the story, but maybe we just haven't gotten there yet. Well, she, on the second page of the two page spread of Jen staying there addressing, in this case, the writer and the artist. Mm-hmm. And her her comment is, you're no better than the rest of none of you ever are. Yeah. And she's crying. Right. Jen's weeping. So yeah, it's, it's resignation that she has no control over what's happening. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. I like, I like everything that I'm hearing. This is why I wanted to talk to you about it because I, you have a really good way of putting this stuff into perspective for me. So I will read it again. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll see where issue 10, 11, 12, see where they all head. But I have, I have the ultimate faith in rainbow roll. And Raul we trust. Yes. All right. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. See, I'm glad that we talked about it because now I'm going to read it again and I'm going to have a good time. Yes. All right. Uh, you're going to get another round of lightning there, John. Sorry for the false start. Why don't you uh, tell us about your books? Okay. Um, I read a lot too, but but just kind of things that s- stuck out with me. Um, Immortal X-Men number eight and nine. Uh, number eight is Kieran Gillen and Michelle Bandini. Uh, number nine is Lucas Wernick on art. And then you got David Curell on colors and Clayton Cowles on letters. Um, Immortal X-Men is, is the book that deals with the quiet council, the, the ruling group of, of Krakoa 
and each issue is kind of dealt with a, a, an individual. And number eight uh, is a it's a tale of destiny and mystique uh, as we get a glimpse of how long destiny has been working with Mr. Sinister. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes machinations uh, because destiny who can tell the future has known about Krakoa since the 1800s What? Uh, when she first, yeah, because she knew it was all coming. Um, and then she is linked up with sinister because she does not want a reboot of, of the universe uh, because um she might not exist in another Moira death. And so that's why Moira for the first year of Hickman's reboot, she couldn't be brought back. And that's why Mystique tricked everybody and brought destiny back and threw everything into a very helter skelter um, political nightmare. And that's really what immortal X-Men has been dealing with. And so number eight is fun. We get to see classic (laughs) sinister, um sounds fun it is classic no, sinister know, in the 1800s and uh he's just been uh experimented on by apocalypse where he first gets his powers uh it's a very jekyll and hyde and and his cloning hasn't really been per, uh, perfected uh mystique since it's the 1800s really is operating not as a woman uh but she is uh, operating as sherlock holmes and destiny has taken <laughs> on the watson uh persona uh, and, and we get to see where this, this relationship kind of started. That's amazing. It is. It's so much fun. This book is, is, is just delightful, which leads to number nine, which is a cacophony of violent fun as Mr. Sinister's schemes come to light as he tries to figure out how he can kill the quiet council before they expel him because he is trying to take over Krakoa. And anybody who knows Mr. Sinister, he is a master of cloning. And so he has cloned Moira McTaggart, who we now learned in the House of X. Anytime she dies, she can reboot the universe up to 10 times. And so he now has multiple Moras. And every time one of his plans fails, he kills the clone to reboot the universe. But he remembers everything because his clones survived. So he is trying to figure out the best way to kill what? the council. And it's all um, narrated by Kitty Pride, who was just befuddled because they keep having deja vu moments. And they're like, oh, there's Sinister. He has a big gun. Why is there a brain in my hair? And then it just reboots to the, the quiet council being back together. There's great hope and hope moments and exodus. And, and there's just just so much fun in these two issues i think this book will probably end with number 12 because there are 12 members of the quiet council but it is this along with x-men red and the x-men flagship yeah really really tell me why i love x-men books i see i've been reading all three of those i started the vacation with um reading immortal x-men one through three yeah um, before I got distracted and went to something else, but I, I really liked what I read so far. But what you're saying with Sinister is like wild. What? It's so crazy. Has he been doing that all along? Like no, when did he, they reveal he, that? Well, he's been manipulating it going back to number one. What? Everybody, everybody's been trying to catch up with it, but we had like we had Axe. Well, we had Axe. I don't know if Joey's had Axe yet. Um, sorry, that joke never gets old. Um, 
this, but Sinister from the very beginning, the Hickman beginning, his inclusion, I mean, he's not a mutant. He made a clone of himself as a mutant so he could be allowed on Krakoa. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's He wasn't a mutant. And he started as this very cliche 90s villain uh, obsessed with the Summers brothers. And, you know, we had Havoc and Cyclops. But then he's the one who hinted that there was a third who was supposed to be Adam X the Extreme. But then that became such a dorky mutant that they ended up being with Vulcan, who's kicking ass in X-Men Red right now. Um, but Gillen really flushed him out in an X-Men book he did probably a decade ago. And Immortal has really returned to the Sinister. But Sinister has never had the intention of Krakoa prospering. He has the intention of Krakoa becoming his empire. He's such an interesting character. Oh, he's great. Like I, I really have never had much exposure to him until the Hickman X-Men stuff started a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. And um, I just find him fascinating. Yeah, it, 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 he's he's truly a despicable villain who knows he's a despicable villain. But damn, you just want to read everything about him. <sighs> so good. That sounds amazing. So I'm going to keep reading Immortal. Oh, yeah. You got to um, get to number nine. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna gun, uh, I'm gonna gun those down. I'm gonna mm-hmm. read a whole bunch of those when we're done here. Okay. Um, next thing I read was Dark Web Alpha and Amazing Spider-Man number fifteen and sixteen and Venom number fourteen. Um, Dark Web Alpha, Zeb Wells and Adam Kubert, Kubert. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is Wells and Ed McGinnis. And then Venom is Al Ewing, Brian Hitch, and Andrew Curry on inks. Marvel has two very famous clones. The first clone introduced is, well, I guess the Spider-Man clone is the first introduced, but when they killed off Jean Grey, Chris Claremont decided he was going to bring back a Jean Grey person in Madeline Pryor. And then he left the X-Books and burned brought back Jean Grey for X Factor and they didn't know what to do with Madeline Pryor. So they eventually made her the Goblin Queen of Limbo in one of the most provocative outfits of maybe all comics history. And she launched this event in the 1990s called Inferno, where basically New York was taken over by Limbo demons and everything was batshit crazy. In the 90s, then, they tried to get rid of Peter Parker and they replaced him with Ben Riley as the clone who was supposed to be the original Spider-Man. But then he ended up being the clone and it's been a whole thing. And last year, they rebooted Spider-Man with this Beyond with Ben back in the suit and it didn't end well. And now Ben is known as Chasm because he has this giant hole in his head and all of his memories are missing because Peter won't give them to him. His lady love, Janine, who is now known as Hallow's Eve in a very Halloween-y style of of outfit, they've joined forces with Madeline Pryor, so it's a little clone-on-clone action as they launch the Dark Web, Inferno Light, as this dysfunctional group has decided to wage war on Spider-Man and the X-Men. It's just, it's fun. It's nostalgic back to Inferno. I had 
I had fond memories of Inferno. Every summer, the X-Men did an event, uh, and Inferno was one of those events. This is makes no sense. Um, demons are just taking over, over um, New York City. Uh, Venom is pulled out of his far future adventures, and he's reverted to his classic, I'm going to eat brains, Venom. So he's no longer the anti-hero. He is the the number amazing Spider-Man number 300, big hulking, long tongue villain. Um, they attack, he attacks the X-Men treehouse. Uh, Spider-Man ends up uh, dealing, trying to deal with Ben ends up in hell limbo himself. And this looks like it's going to be like three months of just kind of Spider-Man books but it's it's a fun little adventure. It's a it's not a major event, but it's got enough callbacks to that Inferno event that I'm I'm enjoying it. There's enough mystery. I've really been enjoying the Zeb Wells reboot of Spider-Man. I don't think I've liked Spider-Man this much in some time. And I'm gonna read it all. I'm gonna have fun with it and read it and and enjoy and see where it goes. And I already talked about Dark Crisis, so I am gonna end on a positive this week with two good Marvel books, and I'm done. <laughs> my comic store threw Dark Web Ms. Marvel into my pile, and I have no idea what's going on because there are toilets attacking Kamala and some guy in a lab. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? She, yes. she works for, she works for um, a reformed Norman Osborn. Okay. So she kind of shows up. She, uh, she and Peter are working on some science together. Oh, okay. So that's why she, I think that's why there, I didn't, I haven't read that, that part of it. Um, but she shows up in the, she's been showing up as Kamala, not as Miss Marvel in the, in the Spider-Man book. So I, I'm sure they threw it in there to get some Miss Marvel love. There is another one coming too. Pardon me. If you want to, there are, yeah. there's a, two of these, there's a whole checklist in here that says, oh, I'm glad I didn't start this because let's see, three, four, five, six, like 15 books. Yeah, I, if you just read the Spider-Man books, you're fine. You don't need to read all the periphery stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's it, so it's just like the Amazing Spider-Man and then the Dark Web Alpha, and then I think there's a Dark Web Omega. Dark Web. Dark Web. Dark web. <laughs> <laughs> I sold oh, my life man. the Dark Web. Who is the Gold <laughs> Goblin, by the way? <laughs> oh, oh uh, Norman. Oh. Yeah, Norman's trying to be a good guy. You know, they do that every couple of decades. Yeah, that never goes well. But, you know, he you looks know, nice. He looks good. It, it's I haven't read that. I'll, I'll wait for that to be on Marvel Unlimited. Um, I hate I hate when they did this to Spider-Woman a few years ago. I hate when they start a new series in an event. It just never feels like it. It, it, it never feels like it gets off the ground properly. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that uh, Marvel Universe or whatever it's called is going to uh, change their their release schedule for for subscribers I this don't know. year? We're, we're, it's something we're going to talk about later with one of the listener questions. But i I think they'll stay at three months because I think the I love the one month, but that's got to be shooting some comic book shops in the foot. Yeah, because I know I've changed my reading patterns because of it. I, it's probably decimated DC sales, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably weren't all that great to begin with. Because I think um, the only three DC books I still get are World's Finest, Nightwing, and Batman proper. 
Everything else I just read on Ultra. <sighs> but I don't know if Marvel Marvel went from six to three. Three feels good. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I guess. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah. If they went to one month, I, I, yeah, that would that would be game changing. But I think yeah. it would close a lot of shops. Like I talk about this as somebody who you know we read so much on the show that books are just piling up, and it's mm-hmm. not like I'm ever wanting for books. But I have to admit that when, like, say Bob brings a DC book onto the show, and I'm like, oh man, like this big this Dark Crisis Big Bang thing sounds. On, it could be on DC tomorrow. It might even be there now. I don't know. I'll have it's to been look. Out a couple of weeks already. Yeah. It'll All probably right. be there this week or next week. Don't buy it. Just wait. It'll be there. I know. Okay. You guys You guys have a good way of giving me FOMO. That's one of the things that I <laughs> agree with about a lot of our listeners yelling at us for costing them so much money, especially at the end of the year. It happens to all of us. Oh, yeah. So I will say, though, doing the award stuff the way that we did this year was much, much kinder to the wallets. It was. You cost me some money, too, because I got <laughs> obsessed with Exterminators. Oh, yeah. I, could, I, I, I got the first issue on Marvel, and I was like, nope, I'm going to read. I got I to gotta go to Comixology. I'm going to get this. Isn't it amazing? It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's so it's, it's so over the top, but it knows it's over the top. It, 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 it's body, but it, it's like positive bodiness i yeah it's just crazy i like it's it. so much fun i like it a like, lot come on we're going to group therapy <laughs> it's like, yeah we are it's one of my favorite x books and it's only a mini like it's only i it's think five got, issues yeah yeah it's got five issues so there's like i have one that i i could have read it last night and i looked at it and i was like no I'm like i'm gonna wait i'm gonna oh, number wait four yeah, yeah. It's, um, got, it's some of the best teeny howard stuff i've read it's so much fun Mm-hmm. It's and it's so weird too. Yeah, I, I dig I dig it a lot. It's one of the other X books that I'm really enjoying, and I like that it's going to be you know a limited thing, so you don't get too much of the good thing, uh, and they don't have to break my heart when they tell me that it's ending. Right, so, you know it's five, it's five yeah. and done. But it feels like one of those like in between arc party issues only you know stretched to five issues long so every time we get a taste of one of those like girls night out uh issues and it's like oh man i wish we could have stayed at the party longer this is the longer party i don't i love it oh sorry i said teeny howard i meant leo williams there you go yeah see my bad names names Names. yeah all right yep teeny howard's doing catwoman my bad yes (laughs) See, I confused that on the on the awards. Okay. It happens. It's not good. <laughs> All right. Um, any anything else for you? I'm looking. I haven't read any of this other stuff. Is your son still into Venom? Yeah. But today he, I gave him he was he was reading something. He goes, You know, these books are kind of repetitive, Dad. You know, they they get into a conflict and they fight. And I was like, oh, buddy, (laughs) you just just whittled comics down into uh, a nutshell that, yeah, you know, usually there's a big conflict and people throw down and they don't talk it out. (laughs) But he's still in the venom. He's still into it. 
learning early is probably the best way to go. Yeah. It's good the Ram V, the Ram V, uh, Al Ewing Venom. It, it's kind of a fun read. I knew you'd come around. Still don't like the movies. Oh, now, now. <laughs> Those movies have their place. Uh, I'm, not, um, I'm right. not picking up that challenge. You go for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see here. Um, should I go? It's sure. You. You're, you're the only one left. <laughs> all right. So I read a bunch of stuff. I watched a bunch of stuff. I played a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the games I played really quick. Uh, like I said, I was playing Marvel Snap. I still play every day. Uh, as soon as they implement the player versus player stuff, I will give everybody my information and maybe we could uh, do a few rounds of Marvel Snap. It's a fantastic game. I got a couple of my friends into it over the break. They all hate me, but I'm okay with it. Uh, what else did I do? I got the platinum trophy for God of War Ragnarok. I finished it. I got caught on uh, two of the end bosses. I got super frustrated for a couple of days. Uh, and then I hit the old YouTube. I looked up a couple of builds, changed my gear around, and then just whooped ass. Um, felt like a little bit of a cheap victory, but hey. No cheap you victories can man- ever. Nah, if you can, if if it's in the game, it's in the game. Yeah. And if you can, you can manipulate your gear to give you an advantage, then then that's that. But uh, if anybody else gets stuck and you need the the magic build, just just reach out to me and I'll let you know because uh, I couldn't die and it was great, uh, especially after three days of uh, beating my head against these two bosses. <laughs> Um, but I got the platinum and I love that game. I, I, I think it's phenomenal. I know there's been a lot of back and forth about uh, how people feel. I've listened to like at least five different uh, game of the year podcasts this year and everybody going back and forth and it not really ending up on too many people's lists, uh, if at all. And uh, a lot of people focusing on the game that came before it or maybe just tired of the formula in one way or another. I really, really enjoyed like the technical grandiosity of that game. Sony does games, AAA gaming. Um, I won't say unlike other companies, but they do it real big. If you know their lineup, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I like the characters. I like the characters. I like the story. There was a genuine surprise about halfway through the game. There was a big reveal. Uh, and I was playing the game with Bronwyn and neither one of us had figured it out. And then things, you know went the way they went and I was blown away. And I was like, that's really cool. That's a, that's a fun thing that you did with that. And um, I beat it to S I got the platinum. It's a good time. Books wise. What do I have here? I read be my villain. Be my villain is one of the Webtoon series that Bronwyn talked about during our end of the year conversations. I tried to go around and read a little something from everybody. I ran out of time a little bit, but, Thankfully, there is some crossover. Uh, Be My Villain is about Mills. Mills is your average high school senior, despite having two super agent dads who take down highly dangerous criminals. But during an attack on the city, his dad's arch nemesis, Shadowmaker, ends up saving his life. Being rescued by a supervillain is strange, but it only gets stranger when Shadowmaker asks him out on a date. Mm. It's one of those. 
And it's adorable. It's absolutely adorable. This has to be the slowest of slow burns <laughs> that I've ever read, but in like the most delicious and longing way possible. In my experience, I really like Mills. I really like Shadowmaker. They're positively adorable together and kind of the little breadcrumbs that you follow along on this budding relationship. It's amazing how invested I get in all the little things that are happening when they're fighting or if they're about to hold hands. Something like holding hands is such a big deal in the grand scheme of these things when you're reading 50 episodes of something and around like the the high 30 mark or something their fingers finally touch yo it is it is game time all right that's it's a reason to get excited and freak out i love this i had a really good time with it i'm totally invested i'm gonna keep reading it um the art style is fantastic it's very pretty it's uh very funny. There are a lot of cats. There are a lot of cat suits. And um, it's got a good sense of humor about itself. And I really, really like the cast. So that's Be My Villain on Webtoon. Uh, definitely check it out if you want something uh, a little sappy yet satisfying in the uh, assassins and superheroes, sons in love kind of thing. It's good stuff. Uh, I went back to Everything is Fine and caught up with Season 2. I'm happy to report that Season 2 is just as mysterious and messed up as the original season. Uh, you read that one, John. So I do. You know. is, this one, is this one completed? No. Okay. No, not complete yet. But I've read up until the cutoff point. I don't have any coins to unlock any episodes. But, yo, it is going on there are so many more characters to be suspicious of. And it's, it's interesting in that the mystery of like where they are and what's happening is, is all still happening. Obviously they're trying to figure out uh, what the deal is, but because you have so many more characters and so many more couples and there being a strange ritual of sorts and a hierarchy to how this place functions and who can stay alive and this uh, like demerit system that they have um, and how people get weird within a, a close community uh, like they're all living in. And um, I'm just constantly guessing. I'm constantly surprised by it. And you really, really, really get to know uh, the two main characters a lot better. And it's fun to watch them work alongside one another to figure things out. Uh, but you also find out that one of them has some serious stuff going on that we we did not pick up on. At least I didn't pick up on on the first season uh, that puts a new wrinkle into uh, into Sam. If, uh, if you're at all familiar with everything is fine. Um, you have to pardon my voice. My voice is dropping out a little bit tonight. I love it. It's good times. You can read it for free. On Webtoon, go check it out. Um, it's my most highly recommended series for, for Webtoon as a whole. Uh, New Masters, I went to go and check out. This is a book that Aaron had championed. Uh, I wish that he was here, but he can always uh, chime in next week. Uh, this is I read New Masters 1 through 6, created by Shobo Coker and Shoff Coker, uh, written by Shobo with art by Shoff. 
This is uh, African futurism and intense world building. So much planning went into this series. There's a lot of great back matter that delves into the development of the story and how it was changed throughout the creative process. They go into like the machinery and the way the government functions in this world. Really, really, really um, intricate stuff happening in uh, New Masters. Really, really enjoy it a lot. It's basically about a family at the center of a conflict with their home and community in peril. There is Fun Lola. She is the daughter of a family of thieves trying to get ahead of the game uh, and get off planet to live a better life. There's a couple of familiar themes here. Um, Oppressive rulers, a war for control of a substance that powers the machines people use to survive. Uh, Being sold a bill of goods by people looking out, uh, supposedly looking out for your better interests, but then who turn out to be full of shit. Uh, Everyone's trying to survive, even if that means gambling with the fate of the people and in your community. I really dug it. Uh, I think it really gained steam around the third issue after they kind of introduced you to the family and set everybody up and kind of what the conflict is going to be, what the heist is going to be, that sort of thing. Uh, And it's a really great ride uh, after that. But um, I don't know if it it did anything new with the themes beyond the setting and characters, but I'm, I know that this is going to continue. They have other arcs in mind, other stories. I'm going to definitely keep reading it because I want to see how they continue to build on the world that they've established. I think they've done some really incredible stuff there, uh, especially with where they went in the finale. Uh, the finale had one of those like hard hooks that was like, okay, when this comes back, I either need Aaron to tell me or I need to be paying attention because this is going to be really cool to see how they kind of blow this out over time. Uh, so that was New Masters for me. And then another book that I read was Book of Slaughter, number one. This is, of course, part of the uh, Something is Killing the Children, a verse written by James Tynan fourth with art by Werther de la Dera, uh, colors by Miguel Muerto, and letters by Anne World Design. Okay, so this focuses in on Maxine Slaughter. She is a white mask who is asked to become a black mask. You can go back in your training. They will reset you and you will relearn how to serve the House of Slaughter. Uh, Aaron Slaughter is dead from the main series. And Maxine is a very inquisitive mask. And she wants to know what happened. And she wants the hierarchy to change. She wants there to be more transparency between the masks and what happens with them. What is their legacy to the house? What were their accomplishments? That sort of thing. Um, Why does everything function the way it does? So she ends up going to the house library and she finds the book of slaughter. And then the comic takes a hard turn into textville because you actually get to read the book of slaughter in the book of slaughter. Number one, If you are unfamiliar with this universe, this issue, this first issue is pretty much a blessing and a curse because it lays out everything about the order of slaughter, how it all works, what the masks are, what their functions are. Uh, It goes through like buildings and and, uh, parts of buildings and like what their function is. Um, It goes through all the different jobs. It goes into past cases Everything that you could possibly want to know about this series and about the world that they've built out now over the past couple of years, which has gotten really big. Um, I've followed this series onto every spinoff that they've done so far. 
uh, and they have all been great to varying degrees. But this is the one that could either intimidate the crap out of you and send you running or totally pull you into this world and show you what it's all about. Um, I really dug it. It's cool. It was definitely a lot. It was a lot to absorb. It was a lot to read. Um, But if you're looking to check this stuff out and know what it's all about, I can't think of a better way than to come in with Book of Slaughter. I mean, you might want to find out when and how Aaron died, uh, which I believe is in the main series. So you might want to go and check that out. But uh, other than that, it's a cool new lead character that I am unfamiliar with until now. And um, yeah, I mean, I really like the Something is Killing the Children stuff. And I think it's pretty amazing how they keep building onto it like again and again and again. But it's all existing stuff that was in the framework of the core series. And so it's kind of making me go back and appreciate just how like world building and how vast that core series is and how much it gave us to uh, expand upon. And you get to see a lot of that here in book of slaughter. And I think it's very cool and very impressive. Um, I've got to continue to read this. This was not a one-off. I have no idea how long it is, but uh, it said to be continued. So when it continues, that's where I will be (laughs) beyond, (laughs) beyond that. I watched a whole bunch of movies uh, because my boss, we're doing um, top 10 end of the year uh, lists on the, on the Joe Blow sites. The first time that uh, they're expanding it out to like the news team and other people. Uh, So I had to put together a top 10. And so I watched a whole bunch of movies in anticipation of making this list. And I just wanted to go through them right here. Uh, I watched strange world. Strange World is the new movie from Disney, animated. This movie was done dirty by Disney. Surprise, surprise. They have really flubbed their uh, a couple of their past animated releases specifically. COVID didn't help things, but I'll be damned if like original animation isn't really, really, really struggling, if not dying right now. Uh, and especially when it's coming from Disney and it's not going anywhere, that is a bad sign of things to come. So I don't know how they're going to dig themselves out of it. If they're just going to port everything Disney plus from now on. Um, I don't know, but they're going to need to figure something out because they're really trying and they're trying to make some progressive moves with their animation. And any time that Disney gets a whiff of there being like anything queer or anything contradictory to, you know, some of their audience that are very vocal about their not being uh, anyone kissing each other and their stuff and whatever. Meanwhile, parents are dying at the beginning of these movies left and right. Just gloss over that. But um, Strange World is incredible and everybody should go and watch it. It's got a queer lead in the, in the character and very, very openly, like whole conversations, whole scenes dedicated to it. I have never seen that in a Disney movie ever uh the way that they do it in this uh, i thought it was done very smartly i thought it was very heartwarming and this whole movie has like a pulpy old radio sci-fi feel to it uh it's about a family exploring like unknown parts of the of the universe and boy oh boy if it doesn't hold a middle finger to a lot of people's ideologies at the end uh and have some really powerful messaging about 
the world and where it's at and what we're doing to it. Uh, I thought this movie was really, really cool and everybody should go and check it out so that it gets some attention because if we don't tell them that we want to watch these types of movies, they'll stop making them and all you'll get is the same princess shit over and over and over again. So we can't go back. Got to go forward. I I needed to get that off my chest. Sorry. (laughs) Well done. Glass Onion. A Knives Out mystery. This is, of course, the sequel to Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, Daniel Craig, and a cast of characters that you won't soon forget. I will not spoil anything for anybody about this movie. You should absolutely go and watch it. I thought it was great. I thought the new setting and the new characters really did a a nice refresh on Ryan Johnson's uh, style of a whodunit. And I thought this was just as good as the original, if not better, Go and check it out. Uh, and Ben Shapiro hates it, so you know that you'll love it. 3,000 Years of Longing. My other favorite movie of the year besides Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, this is George Miller's new movie, the guy who did uh, Fury Road, Mad Max. Oh. This stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Idris Elba plays a djinn that Tilda Swinton finds in a gift shop uh, when she goes overseas and she's doing a talk and she, she picks up a souvenir and the two of them become wrapped in a relationship where they share stories with one another. And so the movie is kind of chaptered and segmented out to tell you these three love stories and how they revolve around the Jin's history and the art of wishing and how to wish and what's the best way to go about it. What should you never wish for? What can't you wish for? Those types of things. Visually, it's phenomenal. The way it's shot, the way it looks, the cinematography, the music, everything. It is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous film. Uh, It is really cool. Bronwyn probably could have talked about this better than I could. We watched it together, but seeing more mature actors as love interests in movies, let alone uh, one of them being Tilda Swinton uh, really, really just helped to elevate the whole thing and make it all feel very mature uh, and have a lot of poignant things to say about desire and loneliness and, and uh, you know, what do you wish for if you're, you're a person who likes their seclusion or you, I don't know. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's a whole thing. One of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, go and see it. Violent Night we watched with David Harbour. This is the David Harbour as Santa Claus, who it's basically <laughs> Santa Claus is uh, John McClane in Die Hard, uh, protecting a family who's invaded by a bunch of assassins. Uh, John Leg- was led by John Leguizamo. And uh, it is Santa Claus going to town, <laughs> shooting people and doing the whole John Wick, uh, Bob Odenkirk, nobody thing. And um, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, it stumbles in spots, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is definitely violent, but you know, it's, it's a fun little Christmas movie that you should only watch with people who enjoy rated R violence. Uh, don't watch it with the kids. Got it. Uh, super quick. Uh, I had never seen Pride and Prejudice or read the book. You should have seen the look on Bronwyn's face. This was the face of someone who realized that they had married an uncultured swine. 
And so we needed to rectify this immediately. We watched Fire Island, which is a, a it's on Netflix. You go and check it out. This is the super deluxe uh, queer version of the story. I thought this was great. Uh, alongside Bros, we watched a couple of weeks ago that was fantastic. Everybody should go. One of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, people should go and check that out. Fire Island, I thought, was wonderful. It was a really cool way to be introduced to the story. But what did we have to do immediately after watching Fire Island? We watched the Pride and Prejudice, the one with Kira Knightley, uh, which is a, apparently one of the best versions of this. Uh, and so I got these stories two in a row, uh, watched them back to back, and they were very good. They were very, very good. We watched a couple other things, but whatever. Uh, that's not what people are here for. Any questions or comments about Mike? Oh, wait, I have one more comic. I'm sorry. Um, a Vicious Cycle, written by Mattson Tomlin, illustrated by Lee Bermijo, and letters by Becca Carey. Okay, this is Total Recall meets Terminator meets Back to the Future. All of those in one. How familiar are you guys with Lee Bermijo's artwork? I know it. Okay. Okay. This, I wish that I had read this before we did our award stuff because I absolutely would have included this in my lineup of favorite things of the year. The artwork from Lee Bermijo in this is like photorealistic, scarily good. The The first little while of the beginning of this book opens in black and white and I'll be damned if it isn't some of the best comic book hardware i've seen in a while i would love love to see libra mijo do something in the woman wonder woman historia line because i just i think it would be incredible uh but this is basically about a time traveler who is uh living back in the day he has a wife and a kid but he's keeping the other person that he's tethered to, the villain of this time trip, he caught up with him at one point in their travels and is keeping him in the basement of his house as he's trying to live his life with his wife and kid. And then one day this guy gets out of the basement and everything goes to hell. And because they're tethered, the guy gets ripped from his time, has to leave his wife uh, and his son and basically chase this guy through time and every time that this villain harms somebody it causes like a time shift or a rift in where they are and it pulls them to another time and place and the artwork changes with each time and place and sometimes you're getting ripped to different parts on the same page and so the artwork is just wild and all over the place and it's all top notch it's incredible how much it changes and how good it looks in each iteration so you go from like hard black and white for the first 10 pages to all of a sudden just colors bursting everywhere uh this is absolutely incredible i love the cliffhanger at the end this is actually from boom studios it feels more like a dc black label book but it's it's from boom um, incredible, incredible start to this story. I think it's three issues, if I'm not mistaken. But like I said, 
if I had read this before we did those episodes, I definitely, definitely, definitely would have included this in my lineup. It was, it blew me away. It was absolutely phenomenal. I recommend it to everyone. Um, that was a vicious cycle. Number one. And again, that's from boom studios, uh, Mattson Tomlin and Lee Bermijo. Isn't it a vicious uh, circle? Yeah, that's what I said. A vicious circle. Oh, oh so I said cycle. Oh, circle. Yeah, said cycle. Oh, cycle. God. Circle. Yeah. What would I do without you guys? Get I'd be confusing everybody on the show. <laughs> My apologies. It's the first first show back after vacation. I'm, you know, I'm in a way. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um. Okay. Now for real, I'm done. Any any comments or questions about the movies, the books, the anything? Violent Night was a lot of fun. It was exactly what you'd anticipate an R-rated heist caper, like you say, diehard sort of thing. Harbor's great. He, he, you start the movie with him. Santa's in a bad place, you know? Yeah. Not sure it matters anymore. Yeah, so it's sort of the George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, wondering what it all means. And he, he gets his own message about what the holiday means, as well as passing along one. You also get a whole slice of Home Alone. Yes. A little girl yes. from the family, which is a lot of fun. And it's great. Yeah, those scenes were brutal. The, yes. ste- the, the attic steps. Ooh. The, the nails. and Yeah. It's not, oh, my God. Yeah. You can feel that happening. It's, it's again, <sighs> you, you, you don't go into a movie like that expecting, you know, the Island of Misfit Toys. It's not what you're getting. No, but I mean, I think there's, there's R and then there's hard R. It's hard R. This was hard R in terms of violence. I was a little, little taken aback when we got our first, our very first death in the movie. First of all, RIP to this gentleman. I felt really bad for him. He seemed like a nice dude. But when that, when John Leguizamo took out that gun and what happened happened, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a we're going to show the violence movie. I gotcha. Look, so, I think you'd, I have really... a, you'd have an R just on Beverly D'Angelo's character. Oh, gosh, <laughs> she's great. Yeah, she is. She has such an amazing voice. Like that that deep, like, I don't know. She's just, she's amazing. She, oh, man, I haven't yeah. seen her in forever. Yeah, she's always a lot of fun. Uh, and I also saw Glass Onion, which uh, Ryan Johnson does not, does not like it being called a Knives Out mystery. He apparently No, he does that. not. I wrote a story about that. He does not care for it. Um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it more than the first one. I'd have to rewatch the first one. I think this is the cast, as you say, is just as amazing this time around as last. I don't want to spoil anybody who's in it. You should just watch it because they sort of just show up and it's, oh, look who it is. Uh, Lots of great cameos as well. Yeah. Wonderful twists. Great mystery. And I'm sorry, if Ben Shapiro doesn't like Edward Norton playing sort of Elon Musk as being a jerk, uh, grow up and get over it. (laughs) Oh, Ben Shapiro, will you ever win? Um, (laughs) Sorry, Simpsons reference. But a fun movie. And here's the thing, it's it's two hours and 20 minutes or something and plays plays like an hour and a half. It just flies by. I had a really good time with it. I thought the... The distribution of the mystery, he kind of did that in the first one where he doesn't really reveal all the pieces until later. And we spend a lot of time with those characters before, like, the real mystery starts to crank up. 
And I don't know. I, I love whodunits. I love trying to figure out who's guilty, how people are involved, if it's more than one person, that sort of thing. And just the little twists that they introduced to kind of change the board a little bit uh, in this one, I thought were were really entertaining. And I'm excited. I know they're doing at least one more of these. Uh, if not more than that, we'll see. Well, here's but, the thing. Um, you, you had what you thought you were going to get based on the trailers isn't exactly the movie you you sit down to watch. It goes to right. a lot of different places. A brilliant use of the time slips as you go back and forth through it and see things from a different angle. Yeah. Just really clever filmmaking. And it's a way to do... This is an Agatha Christie thing. It's, you know, and then there were none sort of, sort of deal back from that movie from the 40s, which is from uh, her novel, Ten Little Indians where you get a lot of people isolated and stuff starts to happen, but brilliantly done, modernized into, into our current age of tech and weird stuff and, and how it all works together. And that cast is incredible across the board. Yeah. Janelle Monet in this movie, oh, just incredible. Her, Catherine Hahn, Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, even Dave, ba- Dave Bautista. He was great. He was what a really great, great. Seriously, I was doing a lot of a lot of. I was talking to somebody about like the wrestler turn movie star, and while I enjoy all three, all three meaning Dwayne Johnson, uh, John Cena, and Dave Bautista, I think Bautista has impressed me the most out of everyone that that's come out of that sort of attitude era of wrestling and is, is doing film now. Like you stick him in a movie. And he really pours himself into every role. And even though this role is meant to be obnoxious and kind of this, uh, you know, men's rights activist sounding board YouTuber kind of thing. I love where he's he's given the attitude and then his mom starts getting on his case about whatever. And he just all of that melts away because he's deep down. He's a mama's boy. And oh, man, so good. Not while we're alive. Not while we're alive. So good. So uh, good. There's, really. a, there's another wrestler who didn't get the chance, but he, I would stack his one mo- starring role in a, in a movie that mattered as it's Roddy Piper and they live. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But no one ever picked up on the fact that this guy is really good and can deliver a lot of emotional weight b- besides being hot rod and whatever Piper is pit. Yeah. I feel like if you put Dave Bautista in a drama, like a straight up drama. I bet you that he could pull it off. I bet you, yeah. I, I, I believe yes. in him. I think he has the, he has the depth. He was, he was really good in a uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. And he's, um, he's in that new, that M night Shyamalan movie coming out. That he oh, uh, a knock at the cabin. Knock at the, yeah. Knock at the door or something. No, knock at the cabin. Yeah. Oh, he, he's got range. I yes. mean, the rock is always the rock. John Cena is good, think, but he's almost comic relief. Batista feels like an actor who wrestled. See, I think Cena is just starting to get there. I think he's had yeah. to pay a lot of dues by doing a lot of the family stuff. And I think he enjoys doing it. And that's really cool. But as far as like versatility, I think like, have you ever seen Hotel Artemis? Yeah. love that movie with yeah. Kelly Foster. Yeah. Yeah, he was great in that too. I like him. Amen. 
Hey, Matt, Dave, Dave Bautista, come on to the podcast. I'll shower <laughs> you with compliments. <laughs> All right. Um, I highly recommend, even though I screwed up the title, I highly recommend uh, A Vicious Circle to both uh, you, John and Bob. I think yeah. you would really, really enjoy it. Uh, and we'll, the art we'll is out. just out of this world. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that it let's, uh, so we don't really have a news portion of this week's episode. There was obviously a lot of news over the last couple of weeks while we were away, mostly in and around the DC films, uh, stuff, James Gunn and Peter Safran are kind of, you know, still doing a little bit of the slash and burn and rearrangings and kind of teasing out what the future of the DC universe is going to look like. We had Henry Cavill back in the role of Superman, and now he is supposedly out. Uh, He's now doing the Warhammer 40K series with Amazon, uh, which I think is very cool. I I don't know much about Warhammer 40K, but I heard a lot about it over the last couple of weeks through the, uh, Game Award podcast that I listen to, and it sounds like a cool universe. Um, and I just, I enjoy him. I enjoyed him on The Witcher. And uh, it's a shame that they kind of screwed that up. Uh, and now that he's moving on to something else. Maybe you play Hyperion from Maybe. Squadron Supreme. There we go. People are saying they want him to play um, Captain Britain in a Marvel movie. Ooh, that'd, that'd be, be cool. Too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so the DC stuff continues to change. They said that um, possibly sometime in January, will they'll make some announcements and we'll have a better idea as to what's going on. Uh, it doesn't look like the Black Adam stuff panned out very well for either DC or Dwayne Johnson. He has unfollowed the uh, Black <laughs> Adam and <laughs> DC films accounts, which is not a good sign. Um. There's it's been a lot so of talk sad that that's news. He I know. Unfollowed. Well, unfollowed. there's been like a lot of talk about him kind of like flubbing the numbers and getting false yeah. information out there about the movie to make it seem like it was bigger than it was. Um, I don't know the hard details of that. I don't know that anybody does. Mm. Um, but it's been it's been messy, like for something that was supposed to change the hierarchy of the DC universe forever. It's just kind of come and gone. And you know, will forever be this movie that comes in at the tail end of them just hardly rebooting everything because it's such a mess to begin with. And the the cleanup is just too much. So gone and Saffron are coming in. They're going to do what they're going to do. Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Patty Jenkins is gone. They also cut Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot out of flash. Oh, they did had, they really? They, they had cameos. That movie's that, never they, coming out. They 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 cut their cameos out. Keaton's too. Get out of here. Yeah. Keaton's too. Yeah. Yeah. No. That movie. That movie is never gonna see the light of day. <laughs> Yo, it's did not. they really cut Keaton out of that movie? Uh, that's what I've read. Yep. How did I miss no, that? What they don't the want. F- they don't want any sort of connective tissue between the new DC and the previous. So they figured they'll Man. start they'll start early. What a basically, waste. Basically, Suicide Squad is is movie one of DC Universe now. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to 
cope with. My God. Well, the, the thing is, and, and kind of getting back to this, this, this is hemorrhaging money. And they're already hemorrhaging money on, I mean, HBO Max is billions of dollars in debt. And and they're removing, like we're, we're going to talk about, like they, they're taking Looney Tunes off. They're taking all what? these yeah. things off. Of <laughs> Looney yep. Tunes? Yeah, they yep. remove Looney Tunes because the, the, it's something that they can sell <sighs> to another streaming service to make revenue because guess what? The streaming wars, are, there's going to be a lot of casualties because people aren't sitting at home anymore because of COVID. And they pumped so much money into HBO and then Discovery overpaid for Warner Brothers. There, I don't think HBO Max is going to be around in a year. And I think a lot of these DC shows are going to have to find a new home, maybe at Amazon. <sighs> TBD. TBD. Because yeah. I've, I've heard sad, I've heard scary stuff about Paramount too, because they, they're, what they're bringing in every month doesn't even cover what they're paying for Star Trek shows. And so those, maybe those will find a home on CBS though. Man. They got to pump out more of those Sonic the Hedgehog movies. No, more Yellowstone. Just keep making Yellowstone. Oh, that's true. Oh, man. 1923 is pretty good. The Taylor Sheridan universe. I've never seen any of those uh, shows. I've heard they're good, though. They are fun. 1883 was... I'll watch anything with Sam Elliott in it. That man's just... Oh. Yeah. Ah, no. Come on. He, he, might, he, he might be a fun actor. He's not a great person. Though. Oh, no, but when he was the freaking vegan Ron, the, the anti-Ron. Well, when he was the, Rick, that was pretty yeah. good. When uh, when he was the stranger in Big Lebowski. Yeah. I yeah. thought was great. But yeah, the, the anti-Ron, I remember that. Holy crap. He's the original Ghost Rider. Come on. Yeah, he was. <sighs> Sarsaparilla. <laughs> he's got that voice and that 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 broom on his face thunderbolt ross oh my god In a very sam elliott sam elliott's a complicated human being but i yeah i don't know if i ship it i probably don't ship it but i i do enjoy certain parts that he's played i'll leave it at that um, I can't even remember what I'm supposed to be mad at him for, but something's sticking out to me. I don't, I don't, I, I can't think of anything that you should be. No, 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 no. There was definitely, no. okay, fine. We're doing this. No, I, I don't doubt you. I just, I'm, I'm not versed in it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to ruin your ruin world. My, you're going to ruin my day. You're going to ruin your world of, <laughs> he dated oh, that's Gina right. Colano. That's okay. It's, it's all coming back to me now. This was uh, actor Sam Elliott apologizes for controversial comments about power of the dog. Um, talking about, um, hold on a minute. I don't want to screw this up here. Power of the dog is the movie. Wasn't it? The power I, of the dog. I believe. Okay. He continued, I said some things that hurt people and I feel terrible terrible about that. Elliot went on to apologize directly to the LGBTQ plus community uh, who have been incredible to me my entire career. And I mean my entire career from uh, before I got started when I was in this town, blah, 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 blah. He, there, there are queer elements in the power of the dog. I believe uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, is in that. And, um, he was saying how there there can't be uh, queer cowboys, 
and how it 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 ruined the movie and it ruins the, the entire like, the cowboy mystique the... to have that sort of thing in those stories. The entire concept of the posse is is queer. I mean, a bunch of men riding off into the wilderness <laughs> to be together as they hunt down somebody. Come on, <laughs> whatever. Oh, here All we right. go. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> speaking with Mark Marin. Speaking with Marin. Elliot's Elliot said uh, the film is a piece of shit. And then uh, Marin brought it up, which prompted the host to ask Elliot if he liked the movie. Elliot said, fuck no. I looked at it and I went down there. Uh, I, I went down there in Texas doing 1883. And what really brought it home for me the other day, there was a fucking full page ad out in the L.A. Times. And there was a review, not a review, but a clip. And it talked about the evisceration of the American myth. And I thought, what the fuck? Uh, this is the guy that's done Westerns forever. The evisceration of the American West. Uh, they made it look like what all those, all those dancers that those guys in the, in New York wear bow ties and not much else this is bad. Anyway, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Saying that it looks like it looked like Chippendale dancers instead of like real rugged men. They're all running around in chaps and no shirts. There's all these allusions to homosexuality throughout the fucking movie. There you go. We finally got there. Damn it. I'm sorry. No, it's better that I know. Yeah. Sorry. Damn it. Sorry. Sam Elliott. Sounds like he was drunk. (laughs) And just ranting. Can't watch Roadhouse again. Thanks. Could have been. God damn it. Look, there goes my my rewatch of Lifeguard this summer. Oh no, <laughs> anything but Lifeguard. Uh, <sighs> okay, okay. Well, now that that's over, okay. DC on fire. DC <laughs> on fire. Animation. More cancellations. Gun in question. <laughs> dun dun dun. Yeah, dun dun dun. Um, they've delayed, for instance, the physical release of things like Star Girl season three, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Those were all due out, and they've all been—I'm not going to say canceled, but uh, uh, delayed. So, have you seen all the the leaked photos of Batgirl? Yes. Makes, God, that could have been so much fun. Yes. Makes me very uh, unhappy, and we'll never see that. Nope. We'll never see that. Pay back the money. Yeah. Oh, there's got to be someone out there. No, the directors can even final. get the footage for themselves. No. Uh, it's probably been destroyed. I, I can't imagine anyone who considers themselves a filmmaker would actually, well, they're not, I guess, it would just actually destroy the footage. Well, if they got, I think they got like $30 million in insurance. And so they might've had to destroy it for that purpose. I don't even know that it was that much. No, I thought they got an $11 million tax break for not putting it I thought it, it was out. 15. I thought it was 15. I, okay. Even that makes it even shittier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of movies that get released that are just abysmal. And don't make any money back, like I don't know, Black Adam. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that, it wasn't abysmal. It just was pointless. Uh, it it hurt real bad, and it you know, especially with all the people involved and the the character that it could have highlighted, uh, Brendan Fraser being back yeah. in the in the spotlight, uh, Leslie Grace coming into her own, like all all the things. Right, the right? return like, of Michael Keaton as old Bruce. Right? Oh my God! Oh God! Yeah. What are you doing? We don't know. Yeah, that couldn't have made their money back having Michael Keaton back playing Bruce Wayne. Right? Please, do you do you understand your audience at all? 
I think not. I they don't. I I would love to know, like, just between him and I, be like, yo, are you pissed that they're taking you out of these movies, or are you just cool because you got your payday and you're done? But like at his age, who the hell wants to get back into that bat suit? He did. Like, and he was. He apparently, did. Apparently, they were also going to do a Batman Beyond show where yeah. he was going to be old Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, you know, things that could have been. We can't have he's nice had, things. He's had such an incredible career arc that for him even willing to come back to this. Yeah. Would, I mean, and he would have killed it. It would have been amazing. Yep. Man, I did not know that they took him out of the flash. That is. Uh, that's, that's the running, hubbub. hubbub. He's running out of reasons to see that movie. Uh, I will put intended. money down that it doesn't <laughs> yeah, come out. Yes, always. What was that, John? I will put money down. I will put $100 right now. The Flash never makes it to the theaters. I'd be willing to take that action. Okay. You want to do it? Want to do it right here, it. right now? Live. <laughs> Live. Yeah. All right. FanDuel. Here we go. If, it, if that movie comes out, you give me a $100 gift card. If it doesn't Done. come out, I will give you a hundred dollars, and then you can split it. Are we talking children. theatrically or streaming? Theatrically, it's got to be in a theater. Okay, theaters. All right, this is binding. This is it. Binding. This is pinky. A, pinky swear. Pinky swear. I'll blow, I don't I'll know blow what the conversion rate from. Uh, mwah. You, mwah. <laughs> I don't know what the conversion rate from U.S. to Canadian is, but we'll make. See, that's the thing: is that if you pay me, I get more money. <laughs> I didn't know what that you get at least Damn an it. extra like 17 bucks Canada that's right <laughs> oh. land of the polar bears um what do we got here we got a listener question from our friend Otha happy new year TC family happy new year my resolution is to read books every day this year what resolutions do you guys have when it comes to comic books? And what are your wishes or hopes for the comic book industry in 2023? Who wants to go first? Sure, why not? My, my resolution is to not pick up stupid things that I know I'm not going to like, but I figure, oh, I need to have something new for the show. And all of a sudden, I've spent an extra $15 on books that go in a box. Hmm. just like hey you know i have a budget i try to stick to it and sometimes it's oh this looks fascinating and you you thumb through it in the store yes "Eh, uh, mistake i won't say any in particular but you know who you are you're sitting in another room as we speak uh (laughs) as to wishes and hopes for the industry um some should take their heads out of their own tuchuses and give us better books um let's remember that not everyone wants to read batman not everyone wants to read the avengers or the x-men give the little titles room to breathe yes and i hope for continued success for all our friends in the indie market both the companies themselves the booms and the rest of uh, the dark horse and those folks in, in the comic world as well as creators who've been uh, mistreated by some of those other companies. Let's uh, let's get it together, guys. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it. Nice resolutions, Bob. Uh, how about you, John? 
What do you think about this? Um, my resolution, and I've been, I am going to embrace technology more, and not buy so much physical comic books Uh-oh. because I am running out of space. Mm. And I, I made the decision the other day because I was. I was giving my wife a little bit of grief because she has so many like boxes of, of clothes and, and other things. And then I'm looking at another wall and I have like 35 long boxes. Oh, John. Wow. I, I, I'm contacting comic stores. I think I'm going to sell off most of my physical collection this year because I have it in trade. I have it on Marvel universe. I have it in comiXology. I have it in DC ultra I am going to, I'm not going to whittle down what I'm reading, but I'm going to whittle down my physical footprint of comics because I, it's not something I can leave to somebody. It's not something that I, I'm, you know, going to, I can't fill up a basement with, with long boxes. And so I think I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's one of my goals is to try and whittle down what I'm buying because sometimes I'll buy a, a physical copy and it's by the time I get around to reading it, it's on yeah. MC Ultra or it's on Marvel Unlimited. It's like I guess I really I didn't I didn't need to because by the time I get to it, I could have just read it here and so I'm kind of paying for it twice. So I think that that's my resolution this year. I don't know I'm not gonna sell off everything because some of them do have sentimental value but i got a lot of stuff that it just i don't need it um and so that's that uh for the comic industry i i hope that um the indie market continues to thrive that people find new avenues of getting comics out there i know that we we delved you you did more than i steve but webtoons i i've i've started to read that more Mm -hmm. um more digital releases. Um, I hope that the big two uh, continue to allow for smaller books to have, have a chance to survive um, that they don't get overshadowed by too many of the bigger books. And I hope that, that DC and Marvel kind of realize that, they're, some of their books are classics for a reason that they don't need to reinvent the wheel. They just need to find the right creators who know how to use the wheel that they have. Kind of like Wade on World's Finest, Zdarsky on Batman, um, you know, things like that. They, they, they're not pushing anything new. They're just telling good stories with the characters that they have. So mm-hmm. that's what I kind of hope for the industry this year. I like it. Amen. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, touching on what John had said, one of my goals is to involve myself more in Webtoon and use that as a venue for different comics and different characters and things that you can't find uh, through your, your regular LCS or Comixology or what have you. Um, I am consistently impressed and shocked by the staggering amount of talent that is available on that site. Uh, And I mean, the price of entry for most things 
is nothing. Um, and you, you know, you can buy into it if you want and you can skip ahead and you can go ahead and buy yourself some episodes with coins and whatnot. But as someone who has never bought a coin before and is new to it, I have so much stuff to read that by the time that I'm ready to return to a series, I've already read, you know, three or four others, uh, in the meantime. And it's just, it's an app that keeps on giving, uh, in terms of entertainment and exposure to different things in comic in comics. And I really want to, you know, share more of those stories with Chris when they're on or when Bronwyn comes on as well. Um, since that's, you know, their, their wheelhouse. And that's a lot of what thirsty on tune is about. Um, looking for ways for there to be more synergy uh, between the two shows. And that kind of goes into the next thing, which is to get the website uh, backed up and, and running. I mean, it is running. We do own it now. Bronwyn and myself, we are the co-owners uh, of Talking Comics at this point, uh, wholesale, which is very cool. Uh, that deal went through a couple months ago and it's just been crazy trying to get that stuff figured out but one of the things that i'm going to do one of my comic book resolutions is to dedicate myself to figuring out some things about wordpress uh and about adding features that we need to run the website in either new or familiar ways just to get all the backdated stuff in uh the library of shows and then move forward we have a lot of people that would love to write for us and want to create content and so this is the year that I finally want to really get that up and going. Uh, I feel like we have a really great team with all the people that, that are here that are still here doing all of this. We have some, you know, new blood that want to come and write for the site. And I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, I would love if for at some point we get a Patreon up and going, you know, there's the, we still have a really big audience after all this time. And I you can guarantee that there's at least a couple of people that would want to check out some extra content uh, from us, whether it's talking about movies or otherwise, um, you know, this is a, we always talk about the comic books, talk, the talking comics family that extends out to a lot of our, you know, most dedicated listeners. And uh, I think some people are waiting for it. There's a couple of merch items floating around that I would like to make readily available for people, even if it's just limited runs. Um, yeah. I want to, you know, I want to try to grow this out again. Uh, a little bit and see if maybe, you know, talking comics could have a be resuscitated uh, in, in a way that feels, you know, new and exciting and stuff like that. I think that would be fun and a cool thing to work on. Uh, I'm going to read what I want. That is something that I'm going to do this year where I, I'm going to be a little bit more choosy about what I, what I check out. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to read any less. Um, but I'm going to be really careful about how I spend my comic book reading time. And maybe, you know, one of the things I started doing a couple of years ago was only bringing uh, the best of what I read to this show. And I think that I'm going to continue to do that because I love talking about comics in a positive way. Um, and every now and again, you know, you hit a dud or you hit something that doesn't resonate with you or whatever. And that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be smarter about what I read. And that, that also extends to how I spend my money on comics. You know, I've, I've pretty much cut a lot of physical comics out of my life with the exception of buying graphic novels or collections or, um, you know, keeping our list alive at the shop so that we can get our discounts and whatnot. 
Um, so that stuff is important to me, but getting the DC infinite jazz or whatever the hell it's called, like that has been amazing in terms of saving money. Like we're trying to make a move right now and move the house. And we were not really prepared for any of this. Our landlord just kind of dumped it on us. So having ways to kind of cut the cord with that, but still be able to keep up with those stories and read my books and then also have all of those other things available to me, they'll be like, Oh, I never read that run. Oh, wait a minute. That's DC. Is it? Yup. It's on the app. It's all right there. That's fantastic. Like Midnighter. Like I've been dying to read Midnighter and I never bought it. And it's, it's all right there. So I can go and I can dig into that. Um, and so that's fantastic. And I'm going to exercise patience. I'm going to I'm going to force myself to wait for the the DC things and uh just make sure that I'm smart about where my money goes this year because I need to be. Uh living paycheck to paycheck sucks. Uh let's see. What do I want for the industry? You guys said a lot of what I was thinking. Um but I want to see I want to see people continue to push the boundaries of comics. You know, like not not everything is going to do that. But when I read something like that graphic novel that we talked a lot about from Zoe Thorogood during the award shows, something like that. I don't know if anybody, if either of you got to read that over the break, but when I think of of comic books that changed the way I think about comics, that one definitely did. And I want to know that there's going to be room for people to make those kinds of books uh, either in the publishers that exist now or ones that might crop up throughout the year to try something new. Um, yeah, I want to I wanna see creators being treated better by some of their publishers. There's been a lot of, you know, really bad business about the way that people that have characters in film and television are treated. Um, even stuff as far as going so far as to actually credit the people responsible for these things it's like when i play something from marvel snap they have some cards that are identified by the the variant cards are identified by artists but again not all of them and what i would like for that game in particular is like dedicated card pages where they give you card details and they tell you exactly who did it because there's a lot of artwork in that game that i would love to know who that is so that I can go and seek out their work. It's a window into this world. And I think they're doing a disservice by not putting that information out there. Do they credit and the so, original creators of the characters while they're at it? I mean, maybe somewhere you don't really, that's the thing. Like you don't really get credits for a game like this. This is a, mo- okay. this is a mobile game and like maybe somewhere buried in the menus. Okay. There's, there's card stuff. Cards. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's the thing is like, I would like to see a tab of the game for like for comic book heads like me that know these artists. Like I have I have about three Peach Momoko variants now. I got another one during the break of Spider-Woman uh, and it's Spider-Woman infected with uh, the Null symbiote or whatever. And it's incredible. It's an incredible looking card, but her name isn't anywhere on it. The only reason that I knew it was Peach Momoko is because I could recognize a Peach Momoko from, you know, worlds away at this point. Um, And I just I want to see better treatment. Um, I would like to see the people at Action Lab 
uh, Jeremy and Emily and people wrapped up mm-hmm. in this this fiasco that they have going on uh, that's been in the news lately. Um, you know, again, one of the reasons we haven't covered this stuff is because we do have friends who have some major skin in this game and we don't want to speak out of turn. We'd rather wait to see how things shake out and then maybe have a sit down with them or something like that. But, um, you know, I want to see justice. I want to, I want to see action lab either give the characters back or be exposed for what it is that they're actually doing to these creators and have them have to pay for it. Because what they're what they're doing is bullshit, and I think that they need to pay for it. Um, beyond that, I'm, I'm trying to find something positive. I'm sorry. Uh, I just want more books. I think the I think January is starting off really strong. The solicits for this month are really good. Um, I think we're going to see some of the best work we've ever seen from some of our favorite creators. Um, there are creators that have entered this space now that have just been flying for the past couple of years. Chip Zdarsky being one of them. Can't wait to see what else he churns out this year. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on that Nicholas Scott Wonder Woman Historia volume uh, and see, you know, this artist that we've loved for years being on such a, just a grand presentation of their skill. And I, oh man, I need to go and pick that up. Yes, you do. Um. But yeah, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I mean, it's not industry related, but I'm looking forward to more episodes of this podcast. You know, every every year brings about change and brings about different things and different stories and different conversations and different in jokes. And um, I don't know. I would like for this to be a good year for the show and for the podcast. I hope that more people find us this year. I hope that more people write to us and ask us questions and reach out. Um, because a lot of you listening out there, you're, you're what helps to power this thing. And, you know, we would love to hear from you. So even though we read the same crap at the end of every episode, uh, use those points of contact, uh, with us and, and let us know what you're thinking, you know, tweet at us, email us, all that good stuff. On that front, let me apologize. I'm about two weeks behind on email. So the people have written me an email. I've seen them and read them like today. Cause I just got back into looking at the email. So I'll. I'll be back to you. There you go. Um, did you want to say something, John? No. Oh, I, I thought was, you. I was just agreeing that I'm behind on everything. I thought you were breathing in, waiting to <laughs> just unleash some knowledge. Um, thank you very much, Otha, for for writing and for uh, you actually helped us cover a lot of ground because I think we were going to do the resolution thing anyway, and then you you asked officially, uh, and it really got the ball rolling. So. Thank you kindly for sending that in and uh, and for being our friend. All right. What are we looking forward to? What's what's coming on to the stands this week that people are excited to read? Bob, do you have a list? Captain Marvel 45, Fantastic Four number three. I'll be picking up the finale of Once and Futures, and I'll finally be caught up with the rest of you folks. And yes. there's a Scarlet Witch number one this week. Yes, there is. Nice. John, what do you got in? Uh, Batman 131, uh, Sword of Azrael number six, the end of that mini, uh, Radiant Pink, Avenger 64, FF3, Spider, uh, Spider-Man 4, and then X-Men Red number 10. Nice. Are you waiting for the Batman or are you actually you're still buying that? I still buy, the only DC books I buy are Batman, Nightwing, and 
um, World's Finest. Okay. So I get those three physical still. Yeah, I still I still get Batman physically as well. Um, so for me, I have uh, Batman 131, Dark Knights of Steel number nine. That one I'll wait for. Uh, Gotham City year one number four. Poison Ivy number eight. Um, Bob, did you say that? One? What's that? Which one? Poison Ivy number eight. Oh, no, I forgot that. Okay, yes. I forgot uh, about the Poison Oh, you know what I didn't? I already have it. Shh. Oh, f- <laughs> um, something something I didn't talk about in my lightning round that I totally meant to include. Maybe I'll talk about it more extensively last week. But um, I know Aaron brought it to the show. That uh, GCPD, the blue wall. Mm-hmm. F- awesome. Awesome. It's it's it feels like the next uh, the next chapter of Gotham Central. It, the I read the first two issues over the break and absolutely loved it. I'll have to make myself a note and maybe talk about that more next week. Um, super, super, super blown away uh, with how how pulled into that book I was uh, when I read it. I, I got that was the first thing I read when we got to Ottawa. Uh, it's super, super good. Uh, what else do I got on here? I got Captain Marvel number 45, Fantastic Four number three, Scarlet Witch number one, Secret Invasion number three. I think so, yeah. I forgot about that one too. Yeah. Uh, X Men Red number 10, uh, Kea number four, which is that Wes Craig uh, solo book. It's been really awesome so far. There's a new boom book coming out uh, from Rob Guillory called Mosley. So Mosley number one, I'm going to give that a look. Parker Girls from Terry Moore, number four, definitely getting that. And uh, Chip Zdarsky's Stillwater, number 17, also hits the stands on Wednesday. And those are my books for this week. Uh, Does anybody have any closing statements, anything that they want to share before we uh, read the stuff? Uh Uh-uh. Not this week. Uh, Well, then... If I'm not forgetting anything, I feel like I am, but we're going to end this thing anyway. Uh, We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email. That is podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also still on Twitter at Talking Comics. Uh, We are also on Hive at Talking Comics. And there's going to be a new episode of Thirsty on Tune hitting the feed this week. That'll come out on Tuesday. So uh, if you missed that, download that and go and check that out. And uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Even though I haven't answered for a couple of weeks, I'll be back on Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com on the old emails. Nice. Uh, John, what about you? I am still in the bunker. <laughs> I have, I, I, I will come up, I will try and figure out a talking comics email. There you I, go. I just, I can't do Twitter and listen, man, there's, there's no pressure. There's no, no pressure. I like to, I like to interact. And I've gotten some nice notes over the, this past year, but I just, I can't, I can't do social media right now. It is too depressing, especially uh, with what happens tomorrow with the new Congress being sworn in. I'm just going to stay off the internet. Oh, is that I guess it's a, I, guess, I guess it happened yesterday. So Ugh. time travel. Yeah. Boy. All right. Uh, let me see here. Joey is at Joey Ricino on Instagram. Uh, Aaron, what is Aaron's stuff? At Aaron J. Amos on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. And then there was another one, wasn't there? He's on Instagram, but I don't remember what his... I don't remember what his Instagram is either. 
Um, he's, been like running, I, he's been running the Talking Comics Instagram, which has been really good. Yes, yes, he has been. Uh, and Chris has been doing the stuff for Hive. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks to them for that. And um, let's see. Chris is at The Myth of Psyche. Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B. I am at Dead underscore Anchorus uh, on Twitter, Hive, and Instagram. So for Bob. Happy New Year. And for John. I wish I would have gone on uh, Hive early and taken your handle. Taken mine? <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> Don't just mess with me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else is dead anchorous. What the hell? You know what? Maybe I'll take yours as soon as we're done recording this. That's fine. I'm sure there's a lot. There's a, there's a, there's a fake, uh, it's Bond jerk hall. <laughs> and my students made it a few years ago and it's just all the awful things that I might hypothetically have said. Bon Jerkle? Yeah, I don't know if it still exists. But Can you was, spell was, that for me, please? Yeah, it's it's just the, you take John and, and Burkle and you just take the B, B-O-H-N, and then Jerkle, J-U-R-K-L-E. It's a spoonerism. God yeah. damn it. I had I had an episode title, but I don't know. I think that's the one. I don't know. I, I think that might be it. Coming in right at the end. Holy shit. I do what I can. Thank, do me a favor. If it ever comes yeah. up, thank your students for me. Okay. I will. If I Von Jerkle. Holy yeah. crap. I love that. still exist? <laughs> I love that. What is that on? I think that was on Twitter. Fuck. That's so good. <laughs> that's so good. I have a... I'm in the um, uh, Urban Dictionary, too, to Burkle somebody. What does it mean? Defi- I, I don't remember what the definition is. I don't think it was a positive. Oh, come <laughs> on. I can't, can't end this without finding out. And then we're good. Then we're going to go. All right. Hold on. Urban Dictionary. Burkle. When a seemingly simple task becomes a logistical nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Pete, you really burkled that one. <laughs> That is too good. You're a verb, John. Officially, you're a verb. I I love it. (sighs) Oh, and then uh, the act of completely ruining someone for no good reason and to make yourself feel better about your shitty ass life. Cheating, lying, and degrading are common characteristics. No person in the world is good enough for the Burkle except the Burkle himself. Wow. (laughs) This 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 urban dictionary definition of Burkle sounds an awful lot like a bungle. It, yeah, feel, it feels a little effortless. It, I, 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 it's my students. I'm sure they plagiarized the hell out of it. By Jim B.A., December 12th, 2007. Yeah. Th- this was created. Wow, Pete, you really burkled that one. <laughs> God, I'm adding that to my lexicon. <laughs> okay. So good. All right. <laughs> that made my night. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Don't be a Burkle, I guess. (laughs) And uh, be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued.